2: Yeah, you heard it there. It's Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. That gentleman sitting right over there. That's Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today sports media group. And the 49ers, uh, we're just going to jump right in here. The 49ers in week two got back on track with the 31-13 win over the Jets. But Chris, it 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 feels like breaking this game down like a normal game is doing a disservice to the actual story so we're gonna forego the breakdown the 49ers kick the 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 heck out of a team they they should beat by a lot and that's that um but the injuries is is are the injuries are the big takeaway
1: Yeah, I think to a man, if you were to ask a bunch of the 49ers players, coaches, and even executives, they would say, yeah, I probably would have taken the last fall in 0-2 if it meant yeah. um, keeping everybody healthy. And and the crazy thing about how Sunday went was just that not only did the 49ers have so many injuries, they lost their best pass rusher, their starting quarterback, their top two running backs, um, and the number three overall pick in 2017... But they came into the game without their best cornerback in George in uh, Richard Sherman, their best overall player, probably in George Kittle, Um, Debo Samuel, their best receiver is going to be out. So it's just like a never ending wave, a tsunami of injuries. And it's it's just fitting for the 49ers, because based on what we've heard about how the weekend has gone when it comes to travel traveling and logistics and everything else it's all been sort of a an, a disaster for them um and now that was only the first leg of their trip they have another game at MetLife Stadium we can talk about the turf situation a little bit later too um after practicing at the Greenbrier in West Virginia so yeah it's not great for the 49ers um i think if there's good news, if they get all of the guys back who are not on injured reserve or not going to be out for the entire season, then I still think they have a good enough team to, to go to the playoffs and potentially make a run. Um, it's going to be exceedingly difficult without Nick Bosa, of course. Right. But it, the, the question now becomes, all right, is D Ford going to come back? Um, is Richard Sherman going to be healthy enough to play at an all pro level? I don't think there are really any any questions about George Kittle. You just want him out there, obviously, because you're not going to be able to be the team you want to be with him on the sidelines. So, well,
2: and, and just – I want to cut you off right there real quick while you're on Kittle. I think they're going to need him to be the team they need to be uh, with, yeah. with Nick Bosa out. The Niners are going to have to score more points, and the only way yeah. they're going to put up maximum points is if Kittle's on the field.
1: Yeah, totally agree. They're going to have to completely remake the way they win games, and it's going to have to be with winning shootouts, presumably, right? Like you lose DeForest Buckner uh, in the offseason to a trade, obviously, and then you lose Nick Bosa. Those are your two best defensive linemen, uh, maybe your two best defensive players from last season. So um, that's obviously a huge deal, but you still have, you know, you still have Fred Warner, um, you still have Jimmy Ward, you still have Eric Armstead, uh, you know, maybe if Javon Kinlaw can, can produce now that he's going to be getting more playing time, if he can develop more quickly, right. um, and live up to his potential, then you can do some of the things to mitigate the loss of Bosa. But I think you make the right point in that the offense is going to have to be, really really explosive for the 49ers Mm -hmm. to get to that championship level and that's obviously going to be really tough when um really your best receiver right now is a rookie who just played his first game and and made two catches um and your other best receiver Debo Samuel is is still hurting with a with the broken foot that he's recovering from and won't be back for at least a couple weeks
2: yeah I I just I mean it's it's not going to be easy but if they get everybody else healthy, and let's we'll run through the injuries here in a minute. But uh, if they are outside of the guys who are out for the year fully healthy by week 14 or 15, and or not, not week 14 or 15, but but by week what is it, five or six? I think they'll be heading into week 14 or 15 with a legitimate shot at, at being in the postseason again. I think the yeah. division's gonna be awesome. And winning the division might be out of the question, but there's enough. It speaks to the talent on the roster that they can be this banged up and it's not just season over.
1: Right. And that's the other thing, too. There are a couple other things. First, they were really banged up and they still blew out the Jets. So this isn't the 49ers team from 2015 when whenever one guy went out, it felt like they had no chance. Right. Right. Um. They have enough depth and the coaching chops, I think, to make up for some of their issues schematically that, that they might have to account for with guys out. The other point is there's a seventh playoff team in each conference now. Yeah. So, you know, the Rams last year went nine and seven under the new format being implemented this year. They would have went to the playoffs last season. So if you're around the 500 mark, if you're eight and eight, nine and seven, um, you're going to be in that mix. And then once you get to the tournament, um, you know, you're going to have a tough road if you're a wildcard team, obviously winning the division is, is certainly ideal. But then again, in a COVID season, home field advantage might not really be that big of a deal. And it might just be more about traveling that wears you out. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they do have a chance. They still have a really loaded roster even without Nick Bosa. But I think now you have to you have to start keeping a real close eye on D Ford. Yeah, Um. because I think it's going to be next to impossible for them to be good enough, honestly, to to make a run. If D Ford is not playing at a high level, like if it's Kerry Hyder and, you know, Ziggy Ansa who the 49ers signed today, like if those are your top two edge guys, like I think you're in trouble. Right. And we yeah. know Eric Armstead is much better on the inside as a pass rusher than he is on the outside um, as a defensive end. So. You know, Here, I I think you need D Ford like you're really hoping D Ford's injury, which was a neck injury last week. Now is a back injury this week. Um, That's pretty concerning because backs are really tricky. And uh, and I think it's it's obviously not ideal. But if you can get Ford healthy, which is a big if that could be huge for San Francisco.
2: Yeah. So we'll get into what this team looks like moving forward. Uh, a little bit later. Let's just run down the injuries in case anybody's not updated and we can kind of discuss what they mean a little bit. The two big ones from from the rash of injuries Sunday against the Jets were Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas. They're both out for the season with ACL tears. The team confirmed that. Monday with MRIs. You know, Thomas is a replaceable player. I don't think I'm breaking news there, but Bosa is the guy that like we've just talked about, it changes everything about their defense. Um, they built their defense around the pass rush, and Nick Bosa is their best pass rusher. And when you talk about they're going to have to change their formula for winning games, I think that's that's the one. Um, there were a few more on the offensive side, but the Bosa injury was obviously the big one. But then there were a couple more. Dre Greenlaw has a thigh contusion, and D.J. Jones had an ankle injury. Jones missed. Uh, the last four regular season games, last three regular season games last year, with the with an ankle injury, and that could be a big one too because defensive line depth is so so huge for this team.
1: Yeah, I mean we don't know what we talked to Kyle Shanahan today, and he didn't elaborate on the significance of DJ Jones and uh, Trey Greenlaw's injuries. So we'll have to see how that goes throughout the week. Um, yeah, the the Thomas thing is tough because he was, I mean, he started the first two games basically in place of DeForest Buckner. He was playing Buckner's spot next to DJ Jones, um, and, you know, alongside Eric Armstead or or Bosa, whichever side he lined up on. Um, like they were, the 49ers were counting on Solomon Thomas to take that next step and become a more productive player with an expanded role because, you know Thomas hasn't been very productive to this point in his career, but you could also make a case that he's always sort of been blocked um, from getting snaps by players better than him, like Armstead or Buckner. Right. Um, and the team wasn't ins- insistent on playing him along the edge where he's clearly out of place. Um, so this was going to be the year where you could make an accurate assessment of, okay, is Solomon Thomas somebody... That is worth keeping that is worth paying um, beyond this season, because this was the final year of his rookie contract. They didn't pick up his fifth year option, obviously. And they were like, all right, without Buckner now, this is Solomon Thomas's time to shine. And, mm-hmm. you know, the, the initial signs during training camp were positive. He had gained a bunch of weight, put on a bunch of muscle and really looked like he was a different player than he had been re- than previously La- last year. He, was, he probably was too light. To play on the inside but um you know he, he was a handful and had a lot of really good practices for the 49ers and that could speak to the fact that the interior of their offensive line isn't great um, because we haven't seen that same level of disruption in the first two games this season but it's still a loss because it's somebody who was probably going to be top four or five in snaps along the defensive line regardless of how he was playing and now you have to fill that with potentially contavious street um, some combination of Contavia street, Kevin Givens, and, and then you're going to rely on Javon Kinlaw to do more. So it's obviously not ideal. Um, losing Thomas isn't nearly as big of a deal as losing Bosa. Um, Bosa was somebody who I thought had a real chance to win defensive player of the year this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, it falls in line with a theme throughout the league with injuries like the Cardinals or the, uh, the Broncos are without Von Miller. Um, the Giants lost Saquon Barkley for the season. Christian McCaffrey, who's been an Iron um, hasn't missed an NFL game, um, down with a high ankle sprain. It's like this weekend was just brutal on the Seven injury front.
2: Seven ACL tears. Yeah. Just ACLs. How many? Seven.
1: Jeez, yeah. Like, brutal.
2: Yeah. It's, it was just uh...
1: really, really brutal. And so, you know, I don't know if if it was just a freak thing, if, if the lack of an off season had anything to do with it, I'm sure it had something to do with it for some guys. Um, I don't think it really did for Bosa because I think he was in, in great shape and keeps himself in great shape. Um, but you know, it's, it's a tough look for the NFL, man. It really stinks to, uh, yeah. to, to love the league and, and see so many great players go down with injuries.
2: I want to stick with the 49ers though, because we're a yeah. 49ers podcast. That's That's a good point. <laughs> Um, I have a lot. I, I just I have a lot to say on the NFL's injury situation this year, and it's just not the time or place for it. So, so you don't want to uh, dive
1: into Malik Hooker's AC uh, Achilles tear. No,
2: okay, no, I don't. I don't want to do that. Although we pounded <laughs> the table pretty hard for Malik Hooker, yeah, and he has had some bad. It, it, you know what? Doesn't you know it matters? Like it, it doesn't for this podcast. Let's. Right. uh <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman. I. It, both of them went down with knee injuries. Uh, they're both going to miss at least one game. I I want to put that on the back burner for a minute, though, because I think the solution is pretty simple. Jamichael Hasty comes up from the practice squad and the Niners go with the backfield of Hasty, Jarek McKinnon and Jeff Wilson Jr. I think. Is there any question about that for week three?
1: no i don't think so um you wonder if they consider bringing someone else in um it wouldn't surprise me if they if they added a running back to the practice squad or something after they promoted hasty because three
2: probably
1: three is still a little thin you're basically replacing two guys with one by promoting hasty right um and you know do you want jarek mckinnon to be your guy your lead guy uh, after everything he's dealt with, with his knee issues the last couple of years, I think that would be asking a lot to put that on his plate, um, this early on, but Hey, maybe he's up for it. I mean, I, I think if he's healthy, he could play really well and be really effective. Um, but I, I think you, you might be asking for more injury issues. if If you, you know, try to give him, uh, you know, 20 touches a game or whatever. So, Right. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I definitely think Casey's going to get promoted and um, and we'll have to see. And and the other thing, too, and, and we could talk about this later, but, um, you know, they're 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 going to be some trades made at the trade deadline. And uh, hmm. that's coming up at the end of October or maybe it's early November this year. I forget exactly when when it comes down, but it's around then. Um, that could be something we, we keep an eye on, because if the 49ers start playing well and reeling off some wins they might be able to recoup some of their injury losses through trades. Um, right. So we'll see. Uh, that That's something we can examine down the line. But in terms of running back, you know, are they going to bring in Devontae Freeman? I kind of doubt it. Um, I think if he had any value to anybody, he would have been signed by now. Um, but, yeah, no, I for now, I think it's going to be hasty. And then we'll see if they add somebody else going forward.
2: So the two big questions going into week three, one of them is George Kittle, who it sounded like the plan was – to bring him back for week three if he got through a week of practice at the Greenbrier. But then the 49ers had all sorts of issues with the turf at MetLife Stadium. And Kyle Shanahan has said they're going to factor that in when considering bringing back George Kittle. Okay, so there's that. The same thing could go for Jimmy Garoppolo, who has a high ankle sprain. Shanahan said it's not as severe. Garoppolo could play on Sunday. But I have a really hard time believing that a team as conservative as the 49ers on the injury front where they've made it pretty clear they'll they'll sacrifice you know one or two weeks if it means that player being healthier over the long term and given all their issues with the turf and the fact that they'll weigh that when deciding whether George Kittle plays you have to figure that they're gonna weigh it with Garoppolo too and and decide that he's not going to go week 3. That's so, how I that's how I'm looking at it. What what are you thinking?
1: I'm bringing this back to uh our old rush podcast series.
2: I love the old rush podcast series.
1: Um when we looked back at old 49ers games uh during the pandemic not games during the pandemic we we recorded the pods during the pandemic. Um the Niners played the Steelers uh I forget when it was a Monday night game late in the season uh in 2011. Ben Roethlisberger had a high ankle sprain he tried to play on and he couldn't move at all. And he threw a ton of interceptions because of it. Um, The 49ers basically just teed off on him, sacked him a ton of times. And it was just one of those things where Roethlisberger clearly couldn't move in the pocket. He couldn't push off on his throws. I forget which ankle it was, whether it was his front ankle um, or his push off, his push off leg for Garoppolo. It's his push off leg. Um, So, going back on that turf and risking potentially looking like that and potentially killing his confidence in a sort of volatile time in Garoppolo's career, I would think. um, I wouldn't be eager to throw Garoppolo back out there because, you know, given his um, his issues that he had in week one, obviously coming off the Super Bowl, you're risking some potentially confidence damaging play if you stick garoppolo out there on a bum ankle with maybe lackluster weapons at the moment um so like if i I put it this way i'm not playing if i'm making the decision i'm not playing jimmy garoppolo unless i know george kittle's gonna play yeah and if you're not gonna play george kittle then i don't see any point to play garoppolo because i think now you won your game on this east coast swing if you come out of this one and one and you happen to lose to the giants because Nick Mullins has to start whatever, I, I think you, you just say, all right, you know, them's a the breaks. Like let's, let's just go, let's get out of here. Let's get home. We have three straight home games. They all seem winnable. Um, let's get Garoppolo and, and Kittle health healthy for that. I think that makes a lot of sense. And you just sort of lick your wounds and maybe hope you could develop some depth, on the back end of the roster by giving some depth guys some playing time maybe that that they could use more than some of the injured guys at the moment and then you get a wave of healthy guys coming in for for October and then right. you could really start to to get the season rolling because the thought is like without any preseason with a limited training camp you can treat September like the preseason and yeah it might hurt you from a record standpoint but on the other hand there is an extra playoff spot in each conference this year. So we could potentially be nine and seven, 10 and six and, and make the playoffs and just focus on that and getting everybody as healthy as possible. So I think I'm not saying that's how the 49ers are thinking. I, th- I think if I were in the decision-making process with them, that's, that's how I would be thinking about it. I would not play Garoppolo if I thought there was any risk of, of him not being able to push off and throw confidently. And then if that led to throwing interceptions and losing against the giants, you know, we know how, the 49ers fan base reacts to poor Garoppolo performances. I would just right. say let Mullins take the game. If you win, great. If you lose, it's not a big deal. Just focus on getting the guys healthy for for really when you need them, which is basically from October on, I would say.
2: And just uh, before we before we hit the break, I want to note a couple of, of good things since all we've talked about is injuries. Garoppolo on one ankle was... Excellent against the Jets. 14 of 16, 131 yards, two touchdowns. Um, Had a couple of nice throws on the run. Extending plays was decisive. Um, Seemed to be uh, slowing down a little bit after a, a kind of frenetic performance in week one. So it was a... The version of Jimmy Garoppolo that... that... makes showings like week one not the end of the world yeah because he's capable of being a really good player
1: yeah and i think that's the thing like i we talked about it last week but you and i came out of week one being like all right we didn't really learn anything new about garoppolo we knew he had these kind of stinker performances in him once in a while it's his ability to bounce back and can he string together really good performances and can he be the guy that went into seattle and was lights out and went into New Orleans and was lights out last year. Can he be that guy more often?
2: Yeah. Can you do that 12 times a year instead of. Instead of a handful. Right. Yeah. Yeah, So
1: like. I I think that was closer to the version of Garoppolo that you got on Sunday, and I think you made a good point when you talked about him slowing down. Um, I wrote about that last week because Steve Young said something really interesting on the radio about how he used to um go through his reads too quickly and didn't allow routes to develop and missed guys when they're open because he was being too frenetic and he said he thought Garoppolo was doing the same thing and it was going back to the Super Bowl last year and he mentioned you know Mike Shanahan his defensive coordinator at the time in the 1990s pointed that out to him and so it was kind of an interesting parallel for for Young to make given that you know Kyle Shanahan's a coach and I asked Shanahan about it and he said yeah that happens and that's not the only thing Garoppolo was doing wrong. So <laughs> it was kind you know, of I saw Mike
2: Florio wrote about that too. Yeah. Shout out to Mike Florio, <laughs> my guy. Um,
1: so yeah, I think Garoppolo slowed down. I think, I, th- I just think he's probably a player who gets more comfortable as the season gets going. And he might not be somebody who's great in week ones. Like three straight week ones, he's he's yeah, been really not bad. great, but he's shown signs otherwise, particularly late in the season of being really good when you need him to, so.
2: If here's, here's, uh eh, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that. One one more thing that I wanted to bring up from yesterday. Jordan Reed is good. Yeah. Um, he did, he was in seven catches, 50 yards, two touchdowns, and just did all the things that people who had watched him play closely said he was good at. He <laughs> gets open, makes yeah. contested catches, good on third down, good in the red zone. And I was, a little bit hesitant to uh slam the gas pedal on the, this is the new Gronkowski-Hernandez duo with him and Kittle. <laughs>
0: and I don't think yeah. I'm there
2: because that was like an all-time duo. But if Reed is going to be healthy, which he's been through two games, um you can imagine a version of this offense it's very hard to stop with, with Reed and Kittle on the field.
1: Well, I, th- I think... You know, we we talk about Jordan Reed as a tight end because technically he is a tight end. Right. But like to me, he's a receiver. He's right. He's an oversized receiver. receiver. Right. Yeah. I don't think the 49ers are going to line him up in line and do a ton of blocking with him. I think I haven't gone back and looked and charted his alignments and all that, but I'm pretty sure most of them were either in the slot and sort of that big slot role that people talk about with Kyle Shanahan all the time or he was out wide. Um, So to me, I think Jordan Reed, the point still is, is true that he compliments George Kittle in a way that nobody else on the roster really does because nobody in the middle of the field provides that kind of mismatch issue that Reed does. But I think what Reed also does probably more than compliment Kittle in that sense is just help out the receiving core. Um, because you're so banged up at the receiving core that he can do some of the things he can move the chains on third down in a way that maybe some of the other receivers aren't comfortable doing yet because, you know, Trent Taylor didn't play last year, which is a funny thing to say too, because Reed didn't play last year. So, um, yeah, I think Reed is more of an extension of the receiving core right now, but like that's, that's found money for the 49ers. If Reed can be healthy for 14 games this year, that would be a huge win for them, considering they gave him a very minimal contract and signed him in August, um, when no one else would really give him a job. And and just given what he could be for them, whether it's complimenting Kittle or or being an extra receiver, pass catcher, whatever, um, it's it could definitely be a, a real promising development for for Kyle Shannon.
2: Let's get to a quick break and then I want to talk about what the 49ers are going to look like uh post injury issues here. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat
1: of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us and they remember your orders. They call us by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, Make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa everywhere you want to be official partner of the NFL. For the best offer available anywhere, go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire, B-L-U-W-I-R-E. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is over. Football is back. You might not be able to go to a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. And take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, B-L-U-W-I-R-E. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts.
2: So I want to talk about what the Niners are going to look like after their injuries here, because we've talked a little bit about their formula for winning games is gonna to have to change a little bit. We talked about before the year, if their defense was going to regress, maybe it regresses to like a top eight or ten defense instead of a top two or three defense. But with this offense, a top eight or ten defense was just going to be plenty to make them Super Bowl contenders. I think that calculus changes a little bit because I think mm. they're ceiling now without Bosa is probably in the middle of the pack among NFL defenses. You know, in that 16 to 18 range, where the offense now has to be among the NFL's elite. I think if they're gonna be Super Bowl contenders, they can they can get to the postseason, but if they are still gonna gonna win the NFC, there's a version of their offense they're gonna have to have that I don't think we've seen really yet. Maybe the what Saints about the
1: game. Ewing theory?
2: Oh, are you Ewing theory? No, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm out on all this.
1: Yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. I I think there's still a version of this 49ers defense with their personnel that could be top ten, top twelve. Interesting. And okay. if, but that's probably optimistic. Like that's probably the most optimistic. I'm willing to be about it because that includes probably a double digit sack season from D Ford and a double digit sack season from Eric Armstead. And then maybe DJ Jones becomes the next Kenny Clark. And then Javon Kinlaw is suddenly like a defensive rookie of the year candidate. Not saying he needs to be like a, like a star like Bosa was last year, but like, these are the type of things you would need to happen for the 49ers defense to get to that level. You need richard sherman to be healthy which we don't know about the Niners are saying the calf injury is not related to his achilles well in all honesty i'm not buying that at all because the calf is connected to the achilles and he's had surgery on both achilles before and he said last year when he or two years ago when he missed time with a calf injury that initially it didn't have anything to do with the achilles injury and then later on in the season he said Yeah, they were pretty related. It was, you know, had to do with missing time in 2017 and coming back from the injury and all that. Um, so there's no way to, there's just no way to say that the calf and the Achilles aren't related anyway. Um, so, you know, Richard Sherman at 32, is he going to rebound, stay healthy for the whole season and play at all pro level? You probably need that to happen for the 49ers defense to be maximized. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, But the other pieces are there, like if Dre Greenlaw keeps playing well, if Fred Warner keeps playing well, you could sort of see how the 49ers can elevate around the loss of Bosa and then, you know, maybe get just enough pass rush um, to to still be a top 10 or 10 or 12 defense throughout the league. And then if the offense is still, you know, if the offense is better than it was last year, the second best scoring team in the league. If you make a jump from, what were they, 29 points last year or something, if you're scoring 33 points a game, um, you know, 33, 34, whatever, you're still going to be a really tough team to beat. And you do have a lot of continuity. You have guys that have been in the system for a long time. You have a foundation and sort of an infrastructure um, that other teams might not have. And you're going to have a schematic advantage, I think, probably 90% of the time anyway, with Kyle Shanahan calling the plays and running the sure. offense. So, yeah, I, there's there's a version of the 49ers as currently constructed that is still a really good team and that could still make a run. Um, but you look at what the Seahawks are doing. I don't right. think the 49ers are at their level right now. Obviously, Arizona's 2-0, and having beaten the 49ers. So that is what it is right now. Um, And the Rams are 2-0 and they, have you know, they beat Dallas and and they beat Philadelphia on the road on the East Coast game. Like that's, you know, we'll see if Philadelphia ends up just, we'll see what kind of season they have. But there was somebody who, you know, I think a lot of people thought could win the NFC East. So the fact that, you know, what's all, the, the fact that the 49ers are dealing with all the injuries they're dealing with is concerning in of itself. But the fact that the rest of the division is undefeated during this span is also not real confidence inspiring. But the good news is, like you mentioned, like seven teams in the conference can make the playoffs, which means four all four teams from the NFC West in theory can make it. Um you and could have three wild card teams, which is bananas, but it could happen.
2: And there's not any team and we're two weeks in. So right. don't set these takes in stone. But through two weeks, it's not like there's another division where you have two teams just blowing the doors off people. Um, the Falcons are 0 and 2 in the, in the NFC South, the, the Buccaneers look just okay. The saints just lost to the Raiders. Um, the NFC East looks pretty bad. Uh, there's just, there might be just
1: one good team in the NFC North.
2: Yeah, man. It's just the, the, the path is there. Even if the Niners, there's a, I mean, what we talk about ceilings and they could still, you know, be a team that's, that's very, very competitive and winning double digit games. I think the more realistic scenario is they win like nine. Yeah. And just, like I said, that's the, if I'm betting money, you, I will buy the take that they win. I'm not trying to come off. Like I'm saying the 49ers stink but they're taking the under. Yeah. There's a realistic scenario where they win nine games and make the postseason, And right. when you consider everything, every injury they've been hit with this year, and especially if they have to play a game without Jimmy Garoppolo. And if they're without Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman for multiple games, and they miss George Kittle for multiple games and Debo Samuels on IR and Richard Sherman's on IR. Like that's the kind of thing that, teams just don't come back from and if they wind up in the postseason and are healthy with those guys in the postseason they're going to be that team where everybody's saying nobody wants to play the Niners and it's just about surviving to that point point. and I think I think they can especially if and this is what I wanted to tie back to especially if they get the version of Jimmy Garoppolo they got on Sunday on a week-in, week-out basis. Because that version of Garoppolo that's accurate and efficient and operating within the scheme that you mentioned uh, is going to give the 49ers an advantage pretty much every week, they're going to be very, very difficult to stop on offense. They may give up some points on the other side, but we may see a version of this offense that's like, holy smokes, they are going to be hard to beat.
1: Yeah, you can win without an elite defense i think it's really really difficult to win without an elite defense but you can do it and you can be a really tough out while still having holes the seahawks had all sorts of holes last year um but they were good they were a tough team to beat and they won a playoff game on the road um the packers had a lot of holes and they went to the nfc championship game so you can be a team that has holes and if you're good at what you're good at then you could potentially make a run and that could be the strength of your team. The, the difference for the 49ers is what they were good at before. They can't be good at now. Like they, what they were good at last year was dominating up front with their defensive line because they had to force Buckner and Nick Bosa and at times D Ford and got a career year from Eric Armstead. Now you're down Buckner, obviously you're down Bosa. Um, and so you just have to sort of remake what you're good at. So if they can be that team, that sort of, you know, the Atlanta, the the Atlanta Falcons are the perfect analogy to the 49ers right now because they didn't really have a very good defense in 2016. They just had a historically good offense. Obviously they had Julio Jones and Matt Ryan was a more established quarterback and he won the MVP that year, but that's sort of the formula now that you have to follow if you're the 49ers is that maybe they just have to be really good offensively and be good enough defensively to, to win some shootouts. And that can happen. Like the Chiefs weren't that good on defense last year either. No. They I mean, were better than they had been, but they made up for their their what they were on defense because they had the best quarterback in the league, or at least one of them, right? And so, all you need
2: is three and all you need is three good games from your defense yeah. in the postseason.
1: Yeah. So like yeah, they, they're not
2: dead in the water. What we're it's saying is the 49ers blow. are gonna win the Super Bowl. What's that? No. <laughs> I said, what we're saying is the 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl. The
1: 49ers <laughs> have the nobody believes in us factor working in their way right now.
2: Oh, man. Oh, man.
1: <laughs> Sorry for the second the second you know who does, reference. You know,
2: you know who does believe in them? The faithful. They do. I know, man. They do. No, and that, it's just, it. I don't have a lot of other ways to say this, and I feel like I've said this 10 times tonight, but it just speaks to the quality of their roster, yeah. that we are looking at this. I I, I put together a piece of NinersWire.com. It's their players on IR, both long and short term, on PUP and just dealing with injuries and are missing or have missed time. And it's 18 guys. And 10 of them are like legitimate real contributors on a Super Bowl caliber team.
1: It's wild, man. And when you use the list of players that are hurt right now is wild. But if they get these guys back, then they're still, they're still good. They're still going to be a tough team to beat.
2: Right. And the fact that we look at that, uh, uh, array of injuries and are even having a conversation where it's like, Hey, if this goes right and this goes right, they're still pretty good. That's incredible. Yeah. Or we're just stupid. When, that's a good point they might go like four and 12 and then we're gonna look dumb (laughs) but when when the game was going on yesterday it was the was that not the most bizarre football game ever just because they were never like gonna lose but they just kept having these injuries it was so
1: weird man because we talked about it i just i when i studied the jets study the jets when i looked at the jets when you put in that tape yeah when i was grinding in the lab um I just didn't see any way they could be competitive. But then in the back of your mind, you're like, well, this is the NFL. Every time you think a team is just going to steamroll somebody else, something weird happens and it's either close or there are going to be injuries. And then, you know, I even texted you. I was like, because we've I, like me and other people wrote about Quinn and Williams and the number two pick and choosing Bosa, like maybe Williams just wrecks the game. And it turned out he got Jimmy Garoppolo hurt um, and also had a had pretty good performance otherwise, too. But, like, things happen in the NFL. So it was weird to be like, wow, the Jets are so bad that the 49ers are without all of their good players and they're still getting blown out. And, like, Jarek McKinnon is converting a third and 31 with a 55-yard run, and Jordan Reed is scoring two touchdowns after not playing last year. It was just, like, it was so odd. Not to mention the fact that, like, covering a game from home which is completely for the birds by the way if you're in our position um i'm not a fan and let alone with everything else that was going on with that broadcast
2: experience for me (laughs)
1: but um yeah writing about games from home is not fun i'd rather just watch and drink beer and, and do that but anyway um well yeah it was just a weird experience it sucked honestly it was like man like when you're when injuries are happening, you're spending so much of your day writing about the injuries that you don't even get to watch the game. And then the fact it wasn't even competitive, there was nothing compelling going on. And then there was a crowd noise and the announcers getting names wrong and uh just it was brutal. It was, it was a tough scene brutal. Sunday.
2: So where I was going with that was as the game was going on, it was it was like I don't know how they're gonna win six games, much less nine or ten. But then when the game ends and you kind of step back and you realize what they were... Granted, against a bad team that was also banged up, but what they were still able to do with those guys hurt and you start zooming out and kind of looking at the schedule and when guys could theoretically be back and when guys might start getting healthy. There's a version of this and it's hard to see in the moment, but there's a version of the 49ers and this is what we've kind of been circling around the entire night, but that is relatively healthy minus Nick Bosa by week six.
1: Yeah. Depending on, depending on D Ford back injuries are, are weird, man.
2: Okay. So Nick Bosa and D Ford, but it's Kittle back. It's Debo Samuel and Raheem Mostert and Jimmy Garoppolo and Richard Sherman Richard Sherman's back yeah that's totally true then in week seven you're getting Weston Richburg and you're getting Ronald Blair and now all of a sudden it's a much healthier deeper looking team yeah with more than half a season to go so if they can survive if they can go into week seven at like three and three where they need to go six and four down the stretch. Like I I think that to finish nine and seven, that is, that's a very good spot for them to be in for me. And it's, I think extremely realistic.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, then their next three games are against the giants, Eagles and dolphins. Those are all winnable. Even like, I would say those are winnable. Even if Nick Mullins is starting at quarterback. Um, just because he does, he has been in the system. We've seen him operate at a high level. And that's only if you get Kittle back and you get Sherman back all the, all those guys you mentioned Debo, um, you know, October 4th against the Eagles, these are all winnable games. So if you somehow end up, um, if you're three and two through your first five, Going into the stretch where you host the Rams, go to New England, go to Seattle, host the Packers, go to the Saints and have your bye like that's going to be a tough stretch. But if they're 500 coming out of the bye, then you got at the Rams, Buffalo at home, Washington at home, at Dallas, at Arizona, Seattle at home. I mean, you're going to have to play well to get to the playoffs, obviously, but these next three weeks are pretty big. Because these are these yeah. are games the 49ers are going to have to win. I think at least go two and one over the next three weeks if we're going to be talking about them making a playoff run. Because if they're still banged up by the time October 25th comes around against the Pats and the Seahawks and the Packers and the Saints, like that could be a really tough stretch. Um, yeah. But I'm totally with you in that. If they do find a way to get healthy, which is a major if at this point, obviously, given everything that's happened to the 49ers in 2020, um, they still have a good roster and a good enough roster to compete with a lot of these teams. But it becomes your, your margin for error now shrinks yes, by a ton. That's
2: it. Right. They need so, to start playing perfect football games.
1: Exactly. Like, you can't just like just get by by having more talent than other teams. Right. You're going to be at a at a talent deficit at very key spots, particularly if you're not healthy, and it's going to be really hard to beat the better teams in the league.
2: Yeah. Uh, one more thing before we get out of here. Uh, I feel like we would be doing a bad job if we didn't mention the fact that the 49ers had a six-hour delay getting out of California. and Dude. Then think about this Uh, weekend let's let's, let's go by let's go by the timeline so yeah if if you missed it kyle shanahan explained this monday in his press conference so the team was supposed to fly out of san jose and chris i'll toss this to you here for the backup but i want to set it up the team was supposed to fly out of san jose and their plane had an a plane accident (laughs) (laughs) like a like a like a like the
1: plane got... was crashed into uh, on the tarmac.
2: It got um, in and it a got car accident.
1: It got dented to the point where initially <laughs> they they thought the people operating the plane thought they could fix it and still take off. It turns out they couldn't fix it and the 49ers had to get another plane. The issue was the other plane was at SFO, so they drove up to SFO. And took a plane out of there. It was a six-hour delay. They didn't end up getting to their hotel in New Jersey, I believe, is where they stayed until 4 a.m. local time. Um, so, this was Friday. So, they had all of Saturday to sort of recover, and uh, it wasn't a huge deal. But that that's one reason why, for the cross-country trips, the Niners leave on Friday. Um, for the division games, they, they usually leave on Saturday. Uh, and But you know, that was a, so that happened Friday. So they went, they had all of that happen on their way out there. They play the game. They obviously have catastrophic injuries happen. Nick Bosa, Jimmy Garoppolo on top of all the guys who are already hurt. So they need MRIs. Well, they're practicing at the Greenbrier in West Virginia this week. They fly to West Virginia after the game on their way there, they order an MRI truck. To go to, which I didn't even know they had MRI trucks, but I, it's I'm like an
2: ice cream truck, but MRIs. For,
1: right, exactly. Um, So they order an MRI truck to get to the Greenbrier so they can get all the testing they need for the guys. Um, turns out the MRI truck breaks down because, of course, it does because it's 2020 and the 49ers can only have bad things happen to them along with the rest of us in 2020. So Nick Bosa, the news that Nick Bosa. Um, had an AC, had an ACL tear confirmed via MRI, came much later Monday night. The MRI was supposed to happen either Sunday night or Monday morning. Um, And typically that news comes out the day after a game, Monday morning. But Shanahan couldn't even confirm it at his press conference because the 49ers had to wait until after his press conference Monday night to go to a local hospital to get MRIs for all of their guys. So... <laughs> that somewhere in West Virginia, there was a local hospital likely in the middle of nowhere loaded with 49ers inside waiting to get MRIs likely on one MRI machine. And I wish I could have that visual and, and speak with like the nurses or anybody who worked at that hospital, because it was probably a funny scene. Um, just all these very rich high profile people in this podunk town getting MRIs. But anyway, um, and then Kyle Shanahan, sort of the the cherry on top and this is his you know his his own d- doing i guess it's not really an unlucky thing but then Kyle Shanahan gets fined 100 grand for not wearing his mask properly during the game and the 49ers get fined 250 grand on top of that so 350 grand the 49ers are fined combined for Kyle Shanahan's mask violation on top of everything else that happened this weekend it's just been a really horrendous Start to their their road trip where they're gonna play. They played in New Jersey on Sunday. Go to West Virginia to practice. Go back to New Jersey, um, to play the Giants. And we haven't even talked about the turf thing, but uh yeah, it's a tough scene right now for the Niners. Man, they're dying for for September to, September to end. I I gotta I gotta think.
2: Yeah, and just this like get get hang out at the Greenbrier, have no issues. <laughs> Like the, I think the less news, the better for the Niners this week.
1: Yeah. There's no, like uh, just a quiet there's no week good news Greenbrier. unless guys come back for, from injuries. There's no right. good news during the week, during an NFL season.
2: Right. And
1: <laughs> Any news during the week, during an NFL season is somebody's hurt or somebody got arrested or whatever.
2: Right. Right. So, uh, yeah, just a quiet week and then sneak out of. MetLife stadium with the second win, and yeah. if they can leave the east coast two and one with nothing else catastrophic happening i'm gonna reset back in santa clara yeah been a rough road trip though rough
1: rough month of september for uh for the 49ers but they're not the i mean the thing is it's silver lining is a terrible way to put it but they're not the only team dealing with injuries. Um, a lot of teams lost guys Sunday. This upcoming game is a classic example with Saquon Barkley being out with a torn ACL. He's basically as important to the giants as Nick Bosa is to the Niners. Um, so it's, you know, a lot of really good players have have gone down and it sucks, but it's a reality of the league and the 49ers aren't the only one. So not that they should necessarily take solace in that, but it's just something that every team deals with. And sometimes I think fans forget that like, there was somebody somebody tweeted me and uh and i wanted to like dunk on him on twitter but i also didn't want to be an asshole to like the fan base but some guys like it's about time our pain as a fan base gets recognized and i really wanted to be like man your favorite football team has won five super bowls there's zero people who feel bad for you (laughs) like there are none yeah You've won no. five Super Bowls, and that's not even counting, you know, the Jim Harbaugh era and now the Kyle Shanahan era, right? So, like, cool there it There are on. Jets fans. I, I think fans, fans there I, ju- are I just Jets think. Jets fans. Right. Like, there are Jets fans. There are Vikings fans. Just, just, you know, it sucks. Like, being I... a contending team and losing good players to injuries, it sucks. But don't be the fans that don't appreciate everything your favorite team accomplished in the 80s and 90s because there are fans all throughout the country that would love to have that type of history they can they can lean on and so um,
2: also i want to i want to drop this in this same vein i want to drop this comment from the niners wire facebook account
1: oh great this is
2: going to be good nothing like facebook comments (laughs) i never read the comments because they show up in my facebook notifications and i'll click on it and if The first, it gives you like a little like, you can see the first like four or five words. And if the first four or five words catch my eye, I'll click on it and just see what it says. Right. The words I saw on this one were seasons over. So I clicked on it. Seasons over. Weakest team I have ever seen in my 25 years of watching football. Absolutely disgusting. Not a single player is healthy. Get the f out of here,
1: (laughs) dude. Yeah, don't be that person, man.
2: If you are, relax. Like, yeah, if you are, (laughs) if you are
1: fine, find something else that gives you happiness aside from football. And if you are, because there are deeper underlying issues.
2: But yeah, yeah. Maybe when George Kittle gets healthy, he'll come on the pot.
1: Yeah, or we'll just keep ducking it. We'll see. Yeah. Shout out to George Kittle. Um, if anybody wants to FI keep tweeting it. at Kittle yeah. that... If anybody wants to keep tweeting at Kittle to tell him to stop ducking the pod. yeah. Um, I'm not it's saying started. you should or shouldn't. I'm just saying it's something you can do.
2: We're not openly advocating for it, but we're not discouraging it. For sure. Right. Right. At GKittle46. <laughs> so... Subscribe, rate, review. This has been candlestick Chronicles. This is a, a weird game to try and preview. It's a weird, weirder game to try and uh look at in hindsight. And we will be back Friday with a, another pod previewing the 49ers and Giants game to see if we can figure out how they're gonna win, figure out who's gonna be available and not gonna be available, and we will see you guys next time.